Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening to all of you. I'm Mete Pakujolo, and you're listening to ICANN's music theory program, The Shape of Music. Welcome back to The Shape of Music, a five-part series where we take you through the magic of music, how it works, and what makes it sound so good. I, Mete Bakarjolo, am honored to tell you that we made it. This is the final episode, the last leg of the race, if you will. Make sure to look behind you and admire all the work you've done leading up to this. But let's not throw in the towel just yet. We've got one last lesson to wrap this entire program together. Before we jump into the new stuff, let's remind ourselves of the old. In our first two lessons, we learned about the two most important parts of music theory, rhythm and melody. We described rhythm as the heartbeat of music, and melody as the meat and potatoes of it. Rhythm is the space between notes which gives it structure and life, just like how our hearts beat in a structured pattern to give us life. And melody is when you add pitch to rhythm, which really gives it the flavor that makes listening satisfying. We spoke about this musical alphabet, which serves as the musical language's foundation, much like the English alphabet structures the English language. But this knowledge of the musical alphabet was no good until we figured out how to use it. So, two episodes ago, we explored how to translate the musical alphabet into the sounds we hear by learning about the keyboard. And then last episode, we expanded this idea of communicating through a new musical language by talking about how different families of instruments produce different colors of sounds. And that brings us finally to today, where we will study the circle of fifths, the diagram which brings everything we've been talking about into one super complex explanation of all the important relationships in music. We'll understand how to plot out every note, scale, chord, and key. We'll uncover the secret behind why the musical alphabet is made up of 12 tones, the seven white keys and five black keys on a piano. And we'll explore how all of these tones were discovered and agreed upon by the musical magicians who lived hundreds of years ago. You might be thinking, well, I already learned about the musical alphabet and the musical language, why should I go the extra step and learn about this circle of fifths? The answer is pretty simple. It will give you yet another tool for you to put in your toolbox of how to better understand and appreciate listening to and playing music. It will also give you some context for the timeless relationships that exist in the nature of music long before we ever got here, and which will survive long after we're gone. That may sound scary, but come on, we've already made it this far, we've got this. At the end of the last episode, I asked you to record yourselves talking about anything you learned over the last three episodes, and email the clip to sarah at allclassical.org. Before we move any further, here are your submissions. This last episode is going to be two parts. The second part, we will cover advanced functions of the circle of fifths, really diving into every bit and piece of this treasure map. 
Right now, let's dive into the basics. Consider how you draw a star. How many points does it have? Now, take a look at your hand. How many fingers do you see? Bonus points if you can get this one. How many senses do we have? The answer to all of these questions is five. The number five holds a really special place in nature and by extension in music. Notice how this is the fifth episode of The Shape of Music. It's not a coincidence. The circle of fifths is a diagram, just like the diagrams of the water cycle or parts of a flower you see in school. It makes it easier to learn if you're able to see. So before we move on, pull up the sample circle of fifths document on the website. You'll notice that this diagram is a clock-like structure with 12 points on it. Each point here represents one of the 12 unique tones we have in Western music. Remember, that's the seven white keys and the five black keys on a keyboard. To learn about the circle of fifths, I'm going to tell you a story about a musician who roamed the lands in search of 12 unique musical tones. His name was Pythagoras. He studied math and became the most influential mathematician of his time. He figured out some wild things about triangles, like that the square of two sides of a triangle always equals the square of the longest side. But why is a mathematician coming up with diagrams for music theory? It's because music theory is rooted in math, and as we've been learning, there's a lot of overlap between music and math. Let's turn our attention back to the diagram, starting with the 12 o'clock position, which is at the top of the circle. Here we have C. The next tone in the 1 o'clock position is going to be a fifth higher than C, which means it'll be the fifth note of the C major scale. Now count along. G. That takes us to G. Now we're in the key of G and want to find the fifth note in the G major scale. G, A, B, C, D. Then again, D, E, F sharp, G, A. If we keep repeating this pattern, we fill out the rest of the circle. Here's what all 12 tones played clockwise around the circle sounds like on a piano. C, G, D, A, E, B, F sharp or G flat, D flat, A flat, E flat, B flat, F, and finally back to C. And that's your circle of fifths. So why did Pythagoras decide on 12 tones? Did he just like clocks so much that he wanted to model the circle of fifths after them? Why don't we have six or 16 or 50 tones? The reason the circle is set up this way has to do with physics. We learned a while back that pitches differ based on their frequencies. 
or how many times the part of the instrument which plays them vibrates per second. Take the A above middle C for example. If you've ever heard an orchestra warm up before a performance, you'll recognize that this is the note they use to tune themselves. This pitch has a frequency of 440 MHz. If you go up a perfect octave higher, the frequency doubles to 880 MHz. When I play these two pitches together, they kind of blend together. This is because the mathematical relationship for the octave is simple. If you multiply the frequency of the first A by 2, which means 440 times 2, you get the frequency of the A an octave higher, 880. 440 times 2 is 880. This relationship is the same for all octaves in music. In math, this is what we call a ratio. It's basically the same as a fraction. So the fraction of 880 over 440 is 2 over 1, which means the second pitch is double the frequency of the first pitch. The next simplest ratio in music is 3 over 2. Any guesses for what relationship this fraction is for? Why, it's none other than the fifth. So let's go back to our example of A with 440 MHz. The ratio 3 over 2 means that we need to add half of 440 to itself to get the pitch a perfect fifth higher. Half of 440 is 220, and 440 plus 220 is 660 MHz. So that means that the tone a perfect fifth up from A has a frequency of 660 MHz. So what tone is this? Let's look back to our circle. The fifth note in the A major scale is E. That means this E has a frequency of 660 MHz. And if you play the fifth above that, which as you can see on your circle is a B, you multiply the frequency again by 3 over 2 and get roughly 990 MHz. The reason I say roughly is because it's actually 987.77 MHz, so it's not exactly a perfect ratio, but it's as close to perfect as we can get. Pythagoras knew that it couldn't really get much more perfect than that, which is why he calls it a perfect fifth. Try to hear the difference between an octave and a fifth. Here's the perfect octave, and here's the perfect fifth. Can you hear how they sound pretty similar? Again, this is because of the simple fractional relationship between the two notes. That's why when you play through the circle of fifths, you hear a lot of different colors and textures overlapping with each other for each passing note. Now if you play an interval with a less simple fractional relationship, you get a more dissonant or kind of a less satisfying sound. For example, here's the interval with the ratio 45 over 32. 
I don't know about you, but for me, it certainly does not sound as nice as the perfect octave with the ratio 2 over 1, or the perfect fifth with the ratio 3 over 2. Now let's talk about key signatures. A key signature is how many sharps or flats there are in a key. Remember that sharps and flats on a piano are usually the black keys, so that's an easy way to remember them. The sharps look like hashtags, and the flats look like Bs. You can tell the number of sharps in a key by counting what position the tone is clockwise on the clock, starting from C as 0. A, for example, is at the 3 o'clock position, meaning it has 3 sharps. To find the sharps, start on F at 11 o'clock and go clockwise for as many positions the tone is to the right from 0. So for the key of A, the first sharp is always F, then the second is next to that on the circle, which is C, and the third and final sharp is to the right of that, which is G. Can you tell me how many sharps the key of B has? And which ones they are? The key of B has five sharps, and they are F, C, G, D, and A. For the flats, we look at the left half of the circle, starting from C going counterclockwise, meaning going left, there's F, B flat, E flat, A flat, D flat, and G flat. To figure out the key signature for flat keys, the number of flats is how many positions the key is to the left of C. So which notes are flat? To figure this out, we're starting not at the 11 o'clock position at F, but at the 5 o'clock position at B. Since E-flat, for example, is three positions counterclockwise from C, we start at B and go up two more. So there's B-flat, up one from that is E-flat, then thirdly, A-flat. So how about the key of F? Well, since F is only one key to the left of C, we know that it only has one flat, and that flat is B-flat. Another neat thing to note about the sides of the circle is that the right side is usually associated with brighter sounds. while the left side is associated with darker sounds. I learned about this by imagining the circle of fifths as the moon. Since the sun only shines on one side of the moon, the other side is always dark. So imagine that the right side of the circle is the bright side of the moon, and the left half of the circle is the dark side of the moon. This explains more about the color of music which we explored last episode, and how musicians can choose a key to fit the mood thereafter. Wow! We learned so much today about physics, math, history, the moon, and of course music theory. And that's where we're going to stop for now. So far, we've learned that the circle of fifths is a diagram designed to map out the loop of 12 tones, all fifths apart and it also explains how we get our key signatures. We know that the reason our old man Pythagoras chose fifths and not some other interval 
is because there's a perfect relationship between one tone and its fifth, the ratio 3 over 2. So now that we've established what the circle of fifths is and how it came to be, let's draw our own to review. Download and print the blank template on our website so you can fill it out for yourself. If you can't do that, you can just grab a piece of paper and something to write with. Think of the circle as a clock with 12 positions. We start on C at the 12 o'clock position and go up to the fifth note of the C major scale and we arrive at G at 1 o'clock. Then we go from G to the fifth note of that scale, which is at 2 o'clock D. We repeat this around the circle and get D, A, E, B, F sharp or G flat, D flat, A flat, E flat, B flat, F, and finally back to C. Now let's draw the key signatures. Let's start with the sharps, which is the right side of the circle. The number of sharps a key has is the position it is clockwise from C. C has zero sharps, G has one because it is one away from C, D has two, A has three, E has four, B has five, and F sharp has six. To find which notes are sharp in a key signature, we start at F and go clockwise however many positions to the right of C the tone is. Now let's try flats. This is the left side of the circle, or as I like to think of it, the dark side of the moon. The number of flats is how many positions to the left of C the tone is. Which notes are flat in a key signature is determined by starting on B and counting up the notes towards C. This episode is a two-parter. In the second part of the episode, we will explore so many more uses of the circle of fifths, how it explains our basic chords, why there's a whole separate shadow circle of fifths which explores relative minor keys, what Greek modes are and how they're used, and how a note that is played is not just one note, it's a series of overtones found in the circle. This episode was written and recorded by me, edited by Jackson Poling, and produced by Sarah Zwinklis, with music by Nathaniel Wyvern, Hoddington Bear, and me. Special thanks to Sarah for helping out with the outline for this episode. Thanks so much for listening, I'm Mette Bacargiolo, and I will see you all next time on The Shape of Music, where we will explore more of the musical treasure map that is the Circle of Fifths.